Because in engineering, don't know a topic. In, within 12 weeks, you have to learn that topic, become somewhat of an expert field on it, and then deliver something yes. on it. And then you just wipe away that knowledge and you forget about it completely, <laughs> right? I don't look at biomass. I spent six months looking at biomass. I thought you read that every single night before bed. No, no <laughs> that's a different book. Boys, I want to get personal. Okay, let's right. get let's no, get personal. Not 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 like a personal person. More about work and about engineering and about you guys because I feel oh, like we never really on. talk when we have a guest on. We're talking we're talking specifically about their field and when you guys clearly mm. know your fields. One water, one about the renewables. So let's actually talk about what you guys love about your field specifically. And we talk about and a lot of things that we're not actually like involved in. We just yeah. do it because we, we want to learn about it. We have an interest yeah. in it. And it's very hard I'm, to... I'm, I want to know your origin story, if anything. Oh, okay. So it's more like I want to know James's okay. origin story as if you're like a Jane Aquaman's uh, origin story. And then we got Uncle Toby's... <laughs> Uncle Toby's uh, yeah. origin story. The porridge so, um, basically, I want to... First question I have for you guys. What is like your engineering inspiration? Like what inspired you to be an engineer? The fact that I know that this is actually kind of dark. The fact that I know that I'm not going to live forever. Like I'm going to die one day, but I can have an impact. Like people can live forever, right? I believe in that. But you don't live forever physically. You live forever through the impact you leave in the world. Mm -hmm. Like look at Albert Einstein, for example. Obviously he's not with us today, but the impact he's led, um, left on science and um, astrophysics and cosmology and what we know about the cosmos today. That is my inspiration. The fact that I know one day that I might not be able to see my impact, but I know I can preserve future generations and uphold them is what inspires me. Holy hmm. shit, that's a great answer. That's a fucking fantastic <laughs> answer and really dark as well, Ben. Like, look, I know I'm going to die. However, yeah. it's not all bad. <laughs> e- e- exactly right. Like, I, I want to live, live, leave a legacy behind for not just my kids, but generations to come. What, what, <laughs> what would you want that legacy to be? Well, we've got so many issues that are going to keep coming up in the world but i feel like humanity like and this is this is a utopia this is the utopia people think about right when everything's perfect and there's no problems um and it was actually in a recent rick and morty episode you know one where the dinosaurs came and sort of took over and like everything's perfect and put everything out of like um jeopardy and the idea behind it was is now we live in this utopia where we can't create problems anymore because humanity i find Mm. We just keep creating problems, but we don't mean to create problems. And I think in our last podcast, we talked about the industrial revolution and how that was so beautiful and that it helped so much, but no one predicted the impacts it would have mm. on um, like things like climate change and what we're talking about today. Mm. And we're always going to keep making those problems. So to circle back to your question of, of what is exactly my inspiration, it's just like saving humanity because that's what engineers do. We solve problems. Mm. Um, and I just want to keep... Not just solving like bad problems, but also showing that you can use those principles to do like really interesting things in life. Um, okay, okay. Your what answer was going to be so much better than mine. I know. All right, Sean, but, can you top that? Uh, so my answer why I became an engineer was because my mom's Asian, so it was either doctor or engineer. And the thing is, right, that's not a lie. Every you're sing- doctor yet? Yeah, 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 pretty much. <laughs> Everyone on my mum's side is either a doctor, engineer, or a nurse. That's not a fucking lie. What if you turn out to be a musician? I, w- I always want to know. But the thing is, like, my parents... Sorry. My parents encouraged me to do anything, but they realised in my fields that I had skills with maths and science. So the natural uh, extension was hmm. um, 
was engineering and I loved Lego. I loved working well, things was, in my hand. Yeah, yeah, you asked what the inspiration was, but that's not the reason I became an engineer. I used to like playing with Lego as a kid and, and I, I think mm. we talked about this a lot. Um, we'll get into this later, how they kind of push you know, young girls to play with Barbie and do makeup and that's why a lot of them are going mm. down the beautician field and we're trying to make that an equality sort of thing. But I used to play yeah. with Legos as a kid and like, I want to build stuff and I want to invent yeah. things. Like, you know, I want to make mm. new... And that's where why I wanted to do it, apart from my inspiration. Two very different sort of questions to lead into, but why you became an engineer. Yeah. yeah. I want to make this a massive correlation between the people that play with Lego as a kid and the people that enjoy doing IKEA furniture. Because it's like a fucking circle if that's a Venn diagram. If you don't like IKEA furniture putting it together, it's because you didn't play with enough Legos. I Me. I just stand <laughs> no. We used to work we both used to work at the movie theater, right? Patty and yeah, I. And yeah, we yeah. have to put standees together. That is worse than putting that, fucking like no, it's furniture like, together. It's like, it's like those. Uh, the best way to kind of describe it is like if you see like you know Dwayne the Rock Johnson or like one of those movies where it has to be like a three D poster. Mm. It's not like a typical. It's basically like a three D puzzle. It's a. It's like it's like you need to kind of you kind of need to connect the dots in a weird way, and it's like if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And it's, it's very a obvious. recipe for disaster. Those things. Yeah, anyway. spe- especially when anyway. especially yeah. when a lot of people are like fifteen years old, and it's like just listen to me. Don't let me get into it. No, Let's right. keep going. All right. So, but, like, your main inspiration was the fact that, like, you uh, come from a Filipino descent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. To be completely real, the reason I decided engineering was um, we had some friends staying with us, and they, um, their, their son was uh, Canadian. Um, him and his uh, partner came across, and they were studying. He studied renewable en- energy engineering, and I thought that was the like the first time I've even heard of this. But the fact that he is so keen and so like driven. And was able to start creating things. He actually made it on the top 30 to watch list on Canada's Forbes. Like he's wow. a really, really Shit. smart guy. Damn. And I was, I was just looking at him and he's like, he started looking at the things I was building around the house. He goes, you could really be an engineer. You could really like apply this because if you're creating things, you've got half the skills ready there. The rest is just maths. You can learn that. Hmm. And, and then I started looking at engineering as a whole and I looked at like who were famous engineers and I kind of stumbled on Nikola Tesla. And this is before Tesla was a car brand. People know it's cars now. But Tesla himself was a man that died broke in a hotel. But mm. he has probably the largest touch on the, the world has ever seen and doesn't get enough credit. Only recently has his name really drove back up, mostly because of the car, yeah. car brand. Yeah. But the man fought Edison. He, he fought Edison and Edison tried to bury him because his because Tesla's idea was better and Edison wanted to make more money. Could mm-hmm. you imagine that, the electricity grid if uh, Nikola Tesla was... Ooh, there would be no grid. There's absolutely no grid. So the, the reason the grid is the way it is because Nikola Tesla developed AC, which you could transform. DC you can transform now, but you're talking 100 years later. Um, you could transform it up. You can reduce the losses. If we were a DC network, you would need a generator next to where you needed the power. Yeah, everywhere. So if you wanted to turn on a TV, you would need to pull a like a little chain on a diesel generator to run it. If we'd snuck to a DC, or you would have mm. to have a generator at the bottom of every fucking building because the losses were too high on DC networks. So without this change, we wouldn't have the the industry. We wouldn't have business. We probably wouldn't be born because our parents probably didn't get enough food, or the family couldn't travel. Like so much came from the invention of AC, and so many little things that he developed. It, it, it's 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 incredible, and at the time I just felt like he didn't get enough rec- recognition. But his like push in this world for the noble pursuit of knowing and bettering of the human society 
What? Was what drove me. Wait, so I, I didn't catch that for a second. So what was the, like the main difference? And what does AC mean? What does DC mean? Yeah. And what's like the main difference? Okay, so the, the way to... This will be very, very quick. But AC electricity and DC electricity is like the way energy and electrons flow. Imagine you've got a bell at the end of a string. Like in the string, it's like a, it's a loop. So it goes to the string, goes to the bell and back. Now DC is like you pull the string in one direction. And it mm-hmm. kind of pulls... It, it knocks the bell over and kind of like makes noise so you're transferring energy from yours to them to yeah. across the wire right and that's dc that's dc direct current the idea of electrons move in one direction at all times so you're just pulling this rope only, one side of the one, one side of the rope okay. and so it's just like spinning and it's hitting it ac is you're grabbing the rope and kind of going back and forward back and forward so technically you're doing the exact same thing you're transferring electrons back and forth but because you're pulling back and forth the electrons go backwards and forwards but you can transfer energy to that bell anyways. It's still ringing. And the energy will then transfer energy back to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the idea is like you can, you it's can like, pull it's it back. A, it's, a it's more of yeah. a give and take. It's and that's the, that's the whole idea about our electricity grid is um, you see like power poles and lines and stuff and the ability to change direction is because of, of AC. Yeah. Okay, so, okay. so because the the electrons are fluctuating back and forth, they developed this thing and it was kind of like uh, uh, the Hertz's law um, and uh, Lenz's law with the idea of you could, depending on how many coils or like a wires on one side and wires on another side on this like iron core you could then change the voltage and keep the power so input energy equals output energy but you could turn the voltage all the way up so this is how like tasers are made and like how the transmission lines are like two hundred twenty thousand kilovolts but then they plug into your 50 um 220 kilovolt uh 220 volt homes mm-hmm. yeah. so you're looking at a step of like a million to one so it's, it's very possible to do right like you can do these like huge steps up steps downs and without that, if you have a at low voltage, you lose a lot of power. Mm-hmm. So you would lose potentially 30, 40, 50% of your power. With transmissions, you lose 0.1%. And so without it, we wouldn't have had energy at all. Yeah. At all. It just wouldn't have happened. And we would be stuck with coal engines and steam still today. Mm. Like it 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 drove the engineering field 70, 80 years in the future. And this is a guy that died way too young. With a lot of his stuff, just pushed down because it wasn't making money. He didn't do yeah. it for the money. He did it for the betterment of humanity. Did it for the uh, did it for the ripple effects that yeah. it would have. Yeah, yeah. Him and Westinghouse, they teamed up because the only way he could get his stuff out was because a rival company from Edison um, fought. So Edison obviously invented a light bulb, but businessman before an engineer. Westinghouse yeah. built appliances, still built appliances today. They went well. Look at this guy. He's doing amazing things. We'll just pay him to do that. Keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's more research into it, but that really was my inspiration. Okay, so main inspiration was Nikola Tesla plus the the family dynamics and the friends <laughs> involved with that. Yeah. James's one was more the fact that you that was my long up, that was like, my long term inspiration. Yeah, it yeah, was like the lot like the legacy that could happen if you use yeah. because like the name names go on like p- people die, but the names and legacy like the only re- like the best example is like Julius Caesar been literally dead thousands of years, but mm. we still know the name Caesar. Yeah, well that, it's, it's but, a salad. <laughs> obviously, yeah. I suppose, I suppose my short-term inspiration was I actually wanted to be a lawyer when I was in school. I really wanted to study law. Really? I loved legal studies, yeah. What would have been the go-to law for you? Um, I wanted to get into media law. So I wanted like entertainment law, people like going into the media industry. You, would have, you, you could have been my agent, bro. 100%, <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Yes, I- um, and I never forget the conversation. We had like an excursion for legal and we were at a court and there was this guy, Joe someone, I can't remember his last name anyway. And I had a good conversation. I'm like, look, I really want to be a lawyer. 
um, but I don't want to make the wrong choice. He just goes, okay, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I was a solicitor for four years and every single day I walked to work, I'd cross the road to get to my firm and I would pray to God that a car would hit me. Jesus. And I just said, and he goes, it wasn't until I became a barrister that I was finally free, but it took me four years of being mm. just suicidal from all the reading and all the pressure that I got. And I thought, I was like, why would you want to live that way? Like mm. that is just mm. living under this system where you're like in such a controlled environment. I'm like, I don't want to be like that. So where can I explore elsewhere? And I loved chemistry in school. I really love chemistry. I love, we used to make alcohol in labs and whatnot. And we used to do all these cool things. And I was like, this is really sick. So I wanted to explore what I could do with that. And that's when I thought, well, I don't want to do little experiments. I want to mm. be, I want to do this on mass scale. You want to do it on the big stage, on mm. like the big and that's, stage. That's when my chemistry teacher was like, well, that's what chemical engineering is. And I was just like, this is coupled with all the things I've wanted to do as a kid, like invent things. I'm like, this is my passion. I would not go to work thinking, oh man, got to do something mm. that I don't want to do. This is, something that I get paid for because I love pursuing my passion. And that was my short term, mm. which is my love of chemistry and math. And um, putting that into a physical application is what really drove me mm. to, to pick it in. Now, in, you mentioned something before about the guy and for those, like those four years when he was like studying and guess working and like doing like an internship, sort of like getting the hours up situation. He was not liking it. I remember when we first like met and I was talking like, oh, what do you guys do? And like, what do you guys study? And you guys were still studying engineering mm. at the time I was like oh what's the uni like and you guys were like on cue saying in different ways but it's basically the same vibe being like oh it's the it's the fucking hardest thing and i fucking hate it <laughs> but i love it simultaneously so it's like yeah what is like so inspiration you got it you have it nikola tesla family you legacy and what was it albert einstein no no well, albert einstein was he was someone who left a mark on uh, on on the world mm. but yeah so just, you, just a love for chemistry so you had that idea and, and brewing it, stuff brewing beer you're just like well i was like gotta make my beer so <laughs> what was like the next step after that going to university and so what was the university like studying <laughs> oh engine, being, being an engineer so, studying in the stem field there so i went i went to uni thinking you know i'm I what, what, what you need you guys go do? We both went to New South Wales and I usually classify intelligence between two things. There's intelligence that's handed to you from generations above. So we're talking private schools and families with money mm-hmm. and there's intelligence that you work hard to, to gain. Would you mm. sort of agree to an extent? To an extent, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, so then I remember my f- second day of uni, I'm sitting in physics class, right? And there's these people talking behind me about their ATARs. Anyway, I'm, my first thought is, Childish. why are we talking about our ATAR in uni? Like, HSE's done, high school's well, done. What are you and for all you Americans, like, the ATAR is... It's like the SATs. Like, it's, it's like yeah. the SATs, yeah. It's what gets you into, like, college or university. Yeah. So, I look behind me just because I was in, like, awe of what they're talking about. I look back, but I must have made eye contact with this guy who went to a private school. And he goes, hey, bro, like, what ATAR did you get? And I told him what I got. And he just goes... And, like, I thought it was pretty good. And he mm. goes, oh... Really, you got that? You shouldn't be here, man. Like, I got 97, and like, he got so so he when I say I, I mean him. So, quote him, he's like, I got 97, and even I'm like on the cusp of not being able to be here. He's just like, you should really reconsider like studying this degree. And I was just like, I would have fired you up. I was just like, I am going to do everything in my power to prove this guy wrong. I've always thought the ATARs like it's so it's irrelevant when you consider the fact that I don't need to go. I don't need to apply for any unis like when I turn 18. I can just wait until I'm 21 or 25 yeah. and get in there with no ATAR and just, you know... It's a stupid I'll, system. I, I might need yeah. to pay a little bit extra, but I can still study whatever, theoretically. Mm. So It's a competition. Like yeah. it's, That's what I hate about it. Anyway. ATAR is more for the schools than anything else because it gets them a bit more... Like It shows like, oh, we produce this amount of 90 plus ATARs. We mm. produce like this many. So like where they probably get more... I think they get more funding per... 
like no 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 so it's, it's not too based on that most not much most much with the money yeah, yeah, side yeah, of yeah. it so there's something i find interesting right so um i went to i did go to a private school i went to a catholic private school yeah boy they, yeah Wee-ya. catholic schools are a wee bit different they to were, like a bit selective different. schools i, I wouldn't say it's private That's, but it's, you, you pay a little bit more yes. by definition it is a private school you pay yeah. to go to it there were 10 people in my grade of 120 people that got above 98. I was the only one to do it outside of standard English, outside of advanced English. Yeah. Everyone else just cruised through in advanced English. I was like the only one just because of my maths and physics marks, right? Um, I went, I was talking to a friend who does the exact same job with me at my company. He said, I didn't study for more than two hours uh, a week. He rolled through with a 97 ATAR. Yeah, and this is what I mean, the Private, intelligence that, that is, gets given to you. Because they're yeah. just like, they're just like, guys, this is what's going to be in the exam. Just remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because of the system, the way it works in Australia, you're based on the average mark of the school versus the, the whole course. So yeah. if you are in a good ranking in your school, you could then be like pushed up Rent well high, beyond right Correct, yeah. in the HSC, which I think is a dumb system. Because again, this person just cruised through because his, he just went to a good school. His parents paid for a good school. And he sa- he told me this. He fucking hated it. He fucking hates the idea that it got him so far. And he looks at his mates who've got their jobs and what they do. And they're all cushy jobs. Mm. All easy just because they got into the right degree. Because of all this. Just They paid their way through it. Mm. And I mean, James, between you and myself, we've also got to acknowledge that we do have a certain level of privilege. To, to get to where we were, to get to have like a family at home, yeah. that f- like mum and dad, we never needed to worry got. about food on the table. Yep. Like these things helped us with our grades, subvertly Abs- long term. Absolutely, so, but in, in terms of like the direct impact, I think you oh, and I yeah. worked our absolute asses off to get there. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, there's no discounting the fact that, sorry, I guess get back to the core topic here was the engineering is tough. And, you're, and James made a good point that um, yeah, you can get a good mark to get in, but staying in is different. Engineering has a dropout rate of 40 to 60%, depending on where you look. It's one of the highest dropout rates for any, any course. This is first-year dropouts. 60% of the course, mm. when they walk through that door, do not walk first, out the end of the year. First year was hard. Like, I remember yeah. there was um, one class we had, and the mentor we had was um, a very rude guy, and he would just, like, abuse us all lab. And I would walk mm. to my car thinking, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, but because of my love of engineering and what it meant, I, it, that's what kept me there. Yeah. First year was the true test of the art, to the, mm. the mental state. Yeah. And I think that's probably where like private, like high school, private or public, whatever you go to and university is different because once you're in, there's no handholding. There's no tutoring. There's no averaging. It's all it's on you. based yeah. on you. And so these people that come in flying with a 98 ATAR or close to like 100% just don't have the capacity to, to get there and get across the line. The ducks of our school... Uh, ducks of my like cohort um, was a guy from out west, and he said I got ducks to prove to the fucking private school kids I could beat him, and he did. He's the smartest man I ever met, very smart man. Um, but he said like once you're in there, it's all you, and I think that's that's terrifying. The fact that this this system is so like not toxic, but I would say it's so hard and demeaning to test you and push you to your theoretical limit that it's got a sixty percent dropout rate. I mean like Navy SEALs have like a similar job. I mean, mm. we're talking about trained soldiers going through Navy training, but <laughs> like it is a significant think, push out. No, but I feel like that's also like, when you talk about the Navy SEALs, that, that the reason that is, they're, they're training so hard is because you want the person next to you to have the knowledge. Like we went through the toughest training yeah. imaginable yeah. and we didn't quit. You can trust me. 
I can trust you. So mm-hmm. everyone that's so you can look to the person to your left or right and be like, hey, yeah. I trust you with my life and you trust me with yours. Yeah. Well, just but, to clarify, but, I'm not but, comparing the SEALs to engineers. No, but, <laughs> this, but, but, the, but what you were talking about with uh, the, the dropout rate and the uh, the idea of hand-holding and being like, okay, it's all on you. That's also something that they, like university, I feel like it does, universe, some universities do it better than others, but maybe at your workplace you were doing an engineering degree where a lot of it's on you and your knowledge and your abilities. You need to make sure that this is going to be at work when I'm at, when I finally have a job. It's going to be on me. No one's going to say, "Hey, by the way," like maybe at, at some good work for work, like some work mm-hmm. firms, they'll be like, "Hey, if you need a hand, like let me know." But so it's, it's to let you know I can do this. I disagree with that. Really? I disagree with the whole "it's on you" principle. Yes, okay. it is on you originally, but. And to anyone who's, I guess, thinking of going to uni or who is in uni now who wants a bit of advice, it's surround yourself with people who are like-minded when you're there. Make as many friends Mm. as you can who want to share that common goal because this is a big issue in the engineering field throughout the whole entire, like, curriculum. It's all, like, it's all solitary. People don't want to share knowledge because it's like, no, I want that in my brain because I figured it out. But when you actually have a group of people who share that knowledge between each other and push each other and help you, that replicates mm. in the workplace like the group of engineers that we work with you're never going to work alone everything is done in groups um everything's a team so yeah if 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 it's it is all on you to to go out there and find that group yeah that was yeah, my point but yeah. when you do find that group and you collaborate and work together it makes uni so much easier mm. and makes studying so much easier because it also makes it fun exactly right everyone's skilled in a different mindset like so i might be good at one thing Sean might be good at, you know, another part of that field. But when you combine that knowledge together and you go, hey, for this this thing you got to learn, make sure you know that. Yeah, it's that's sharing like how knowledge. every yeah. team works mm. and having that diversity of opinion. Not even just engineers, just, just other people with different perspectives. It does extend. Makes the best team. That's yeah. how knowledge is passed on, honestly. Just being like, okay, that's how people get smarter. If I just write it down and I share it with like 20 people, they'll absorb it and they'll pass it on. It's almost like a wee pyramid scheme. I mean, like, but it if- doesn't work all the time because <laughs> yeah. like in the STEM field, there are some so many stubborn people in all industries that are like, no, I know this, so you can't because who are, who are you to take my knowledge? And they die with that knowledge. I kind of wanted to talk about this. So it's like on that point of being like the STEM field and having it, like you said the word toxic, but I, want, I won't use that word. I'll say more... Uh, it's, it's, toxic. It's, it's, it's like a unhealthy. harsh environment. It's unhealthy, so, so yeah. harsh. It, what would you say is the unhealthiest part of the STEM field currently? I mean... I mean, STEM field is like a massive part. Science, technology, engineering, mathematics. You're talking about so many different industries that this can You guys are engineers. It's, we'll talk about the E. There's, okay, the, there's, the there's, the, there's the politics of it, but we won't get into that because there's a lot of inventions yeah. and ideas out there, but they don't make it to the other side because they're not politically driven. That's one point because it's like you can have an amazing idea, but your boss would be like, or yeah. not your boss, but like the, the wider the, like the higher directors. Ups. Yeah, the higher-ups would be like, don't care how good it is. We're not doing it. Don't have money for it. Don't have um, the drive to do it. So we're not doing it. Sounds like that. Uh, that is very diminishing. Sounds like that story you told last podcast about the, uh, what was it? The, the steel? The, the stainless, stainless, steel? stainless steel. Yeah. yeah. The guy invented it and boss um, was like, fuck off. I don't know I, that. Yeah. Like working in the STEM field, I've, I've seen that many, many times where someone's just wanted to spread their wings and fly, but they've just gone, look, idea is good. Um, there's no drive to do it. Sorry. We're not doing it. It doesn't mm. meet such a criteria. Um, that, mm. that in itself is very, very unhealthy. Okay. Um, uh, probably not the hardest thing, but one of the first things that comes to mind when you ask a question like, like mm. that. I'm not really after the heart. I'm after like the thing that's like, oh, what would you, 
in the field is it like what needs to be changed so it we're 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 in a more fun inclusive environment i don't want to steal the mic i have one but i know sean's got one as well so i'll let you go go. well i mean like i think in general the engineering field there's no way you can make it more relaxed like there's there's a there's a reason they sit the way they do engineers sit in society as um experts of fields that advise the general populace right they develop they take they are the hands of stem stem was a body like science engineering uh science mathematics of the brain Engineers of the arms. We don't they actually take do anything applied. physical, right? We just sort of... Well, no, some people do. But the point being is engineers are supposed to be in high regard because they are trained to be specialists. They are the best of what they can do in a specific field to do something, whatever that is. Is it uh, managing flow pipes? Is yep. it for developing bridges or uh, rocket ships? These are all engineers. You have to have them high strung. You have to have an expectation mm. that these are the best people for the job because you're paying them to do that job. If something goes wrong, people mm-hmm. die. That is legit mm. it. For example... Um, but what's the toll that takes on somebody? Well, it's just an expectation that you are giving the best at all times. That, I think, is part of it's part of the job. And that's, why I think, why engineering through university was so tough because they're training you to be the best version of yourself. Mm. And unless you can reach that, you can't really be the best version for society. Mm. To a degree, like I, I realize that that that's probably like an extreme, but if you have a bad engineer building a bridge, you're gonna cross that bridge. <laughs> I True. mean, are you gonna like, yeah. for example, I mean, what Wozniak with the iPhone was an engineer, a workbench engineer, and then you look at like engineers who develop phones. The Samsungs blew up in people's pockets. Didn't really pass safety standards. People no. can die if you don't do your job correctly. Yeah. So one thing like Engineers Australia especially has picked up now is verification of competency. So like when you do any project, it's got to go through so many levels of verification, which is really, really good that we have those spots, checks and balances to make sure mm. things get implemented properly rather than it falls on one person. Because to put that all on one person is, is really, really tough because no one knows everything for one and two things get missed let's yeah. face it things will human always error. get almost missed always mm. human error yeah. like i forget very simple things like sometimes i'll leave my keys in such location people are like oh you're an engineer you should know that i'm like which is another thing i hate we'll get into that it's like people people will say oh you is should it? know this you're an engineer yeah, so yeah. Like, oh what the <laughs> fuck actually i got this the other day my dad i went back home to visit dad and he goes hey sean the coffee machine's broken i was like oh okay so does that mean i can't have a coffee he goes no, can you fix it? And I was like, I'm a renewable no. engineer. He goes, yeah, you did engineering. Off you pop. You can crack it open. I mean, yeah. there, there's... It's a- actually is condescending when people say something. Yeah. Like, not not if- so much your dad. He was probably having a yarn yeah. with you, but like... No, when- no, no. He was dead seriously. Can you open it up and fix the coffee machine? And theoretically, I'm pretty sure I can, Note but to- I don't want to give him the satisfaction. Yeah. <laughs> Note to self, don't give Sean my long division homework. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> long division <laughs> homework. Look, what, I did he break your calculator? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I forget long division. I'm not here for, here for any of that. It's harder than Chinese algebra. Yeah. I don't know. But um, that's, that's all stuff. But the whole verification part, I think, James, has made a really good point. We are expected as engineers to give the correct answer always. Like we're, we're treated sometimes just as calculators. And to mm. a degree, I, I kind of understand it. We're just part of the process, part of the system. But it, it, it's difficult to be because you have to have this certain level of quality all the time. You can't mm. slack off. You can't just drop how you want to do something for a day. You have to be nailing it. Hmm. That's the expectation. You look at like consultants, a lot of them have engineers. You look at CEOs, 95% of CEOs out there have a combination between business and engineering. You know that? 
Yeah, actually, I know what... Damn, I didn't know that. It, yeah. it's, it's interesting we, we talk about now that and also at the start, people come from private schools because a lot of the private school engineering graduates I know are working now in business consultancy mm. and business firms because like banks, for example, froth people in the STEM field because you won't yeah. do engineering, but they froth it because of like how much value they can add with their problem-solving um, abilities. Yeah. Mm. At the end of the day, we're just very, very good problem solvers. Yeah. Or, yeah. or, or very specific you problem honest, solvers. You honestly say that basically it's like what was like what was the analogy? You always say it's like engineers are problem solvers with no personalities. I've never said that before in like my entire have. life. I feel like you said something. No, Sorry, it wasn't, it you wasn't look, Sean you look that at said two that. people here hosting a podcast <laughs> and you say we have no personality. We're in the wrong profession if we are. <laughs> look, I wasn't going to bring it up on the podcast. But nah. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I, no, I do know what you're referring to. Someone did say that, but it wasn't Sean that no. said it. I firmly disagree. Yeah. My renewable energy buddies were the fucking best of the best. We're the, fun, yeah. the most fun. I'm actually going to a party now with renewable Dude, engineers. Engineers are the biggest drinkers because we're just depressed in uni and then we figure out we love alcohol and caffeine uh, this is an excellent segue james so (laughs) like you you guys are you guys were talking about the um like the pressures that you're under like being Mm -hmm. 100 of the time right or like Mm. or not at least knowing a vague answer to the problem what is like what's a proactive way that like that sort of like the mental health of that is being looked at in the field is or is it even being looked at or if it's not being looked at how can it be looked at better (laughs) I think it's, it's a I think it's an industry by industry basis. Yeah. Um, there's no one meets all like we have we have Are You OK Day every year, for example. That's, you guys know all that's about not good that. enough. No, it's not good enough. And like I, I, the reason I'm talking about this now is because I kind of always see November as a weird surrogate like mental health month, mainly for the fact that Movember mm. has gotten like really skyrocketed over the past decades, honestly. Yeah. So I kind of think it's like Are You OK Day, uh, like it's more I I think it's like a cop out of companies to be like, oh, we're checking on people. It's are oh, you okay? Yeah, you but then it's like, oh yeah, that's on Monday. Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, get back to work. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not really the reflection that it was designed to be. No. It's not to say that it didn't have a noble purpose, but it just didn't deliver on what it's doing. Because mm-hmm. people still are like <laughs> crazy depressed across industries. I think engineers have a um one benefit to being an engineer is yes your job is high pressure always Hmm. but engineers because we're sought after and expertise that's valuable service we get paid a fairly good wage there's no lie about that engineers get paid more to and they also Hmm. work pretty hard as well like it's it's hard-earned money you're always saying that you're you're always finishing work around like i i finished around eight eight o'clock every single day for the last few weeks but that's just because this project was cooked so that's and that's the thing with engineering roles um everything's a peak and a trough. Sometimes you have a nice trough in your work where you kind of mm. just chill mm. sort of, but you're still working hard, but then other times you have these sort of peaks and everything These, these deadlines out. to me. Deadlo- but like you, yeah. every, you, industry, you're industry really, basis. really, really busy at some points because you have a project to meet, like you're saying, but then sometimes you don't. It's just like doing maybe more admin stuff or checking over old documents to make sure you're aligned with everyone else and that's those peak and troughs that you get in some mm. some fields. Mm. Well, you didn't really address the uh, the ways that like mental health's been addressed in the yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. So uh, honestly, the idea that um, more money literally changes mental health. If you Mm. make people financially stable, mental health can improve because they go, "I don't need to work this damn hard if I need to also like pay for food and whatnot, or my house mortgage is coming up." You 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 find that people with the highest suicide rates. Um, or job professions with the high suicide rates are jobs which are very intense, hardworking, and low pay. Hmm. Nurses, teachers, teachers doctors. like doctors. Oh, um, maybe not doctors, but 
I mean, no, well, actually, maybe. doctors, well, specifically because of COVID and the pressure that they've been um, whacking up against. My mum's a doctor. Again, childcare, <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Childcare, big one oh, as yeah. well. Mm. Um, social workers. These are people who work more hours than they should and don't get paid for their service. I think we all agree that they don't oh, get paid 100%, enough. Yeah. yeah. And so the difference, I guess, between engineers and them is there's depression in both, but literally money actually makes people so much happier. I know it sounds awful, but it really does. If you paid nurses double the wage, they would be so... They would, and they would work harder too because yeah. they feel like a sense of, I guess not pride, but a sense of reward. Well, a sense of worth. Yeah. Like they're literally yeah, saving the lives. Why are we not paying them uh, as much as they do? Inflation's gone up, what, 30, 40% in the last 50 years and then teachers' wages have stagnated? Like, come it on. makes no sense, yeah. It doesn't B- make sense. Bullshit, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, so there's a lot of this, like, um, I guess, enablement jobs, right? So they, they help mm. enable other people. So again, the nurses, social workers, teachers, they um, they, they they care for the they, engineers or yeah. the what like the the more high paying jobs. So then they can well not it's not like, s- but they just help they like enable people to do their stuff first, I guess. Okay. But like they're definitely not getting paid enough. Their value and worth mm. is not reflected in their pay slip. So that's the financial like side of it, right? <clears throat> but you know what's not addressing mental health? That's a massive devil's advocate comment. Mm. Recognition. People say you should be recognized mm. for your work and that would help with mm. your mental mental health. And like to an extent that might be correct, but recognition is also like the biggest killer of some people's mental health. And either of you boys want to guess why that might be? Um, if, no. if you can't, I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> what my opinion is. When people get recognized for their good work, some people will say, oh, this person is doing a really good job. They're really skilled at this. Let's now extend them to do this part and let's put them on that project and let's put them on in this business mm. area. So because you get recognized, as a result, you get overloaded with more things in the STEM field yeah. and that puts a lot of pressure on you because it's like, sorry, you're the only person who knows how to do this. So we're just going to give you all that work. We're not going to invest in training anyone else up. And I guess you can go back to the financial side and you know getting more resources yeah. and recruits <laughs> in the STEM field. But yeah, that to me is something that needs to be looked at properly. The not so much recognition, but the right type of recognition. So credit where credit is due, but not we recognize your good work, so we're going to give you like yeah. more of it to do. What would be the type of recognition that you want? <laughs> like a recognition is just like, hey, this is like you did this correct, you did this right. Um, we really appreciate that. We appreciate what you do. Just keep doing what you're doing. Not, hey, you did this really good. Here's another one. Mm. You're, reward- you're rewarding work with more work. That's exactly right. You've you've summed that up actually perfectly with what. Yeah. See, like, thankfully for me, I've haven't experienced haven't experienced that. Like for me, I have been recognised for my work in the team, and they say it out loud. They say massive spotlight to this person for doing this project. Well done. Mm. They will put me on harder work, but then lighten my work in other places. Yeah. And every time they do it, they increase my pay. Beauty. So I mean, like literal recognition. I, this goes back to money, but yeah, recognition should shouldn't just be hey, a pat on the back. Well done. It should be. You're good at this. We're going to give you more work, and um, mm. we're going to know we're going to specialize and focus your work in something that's a bit more difficult, and we're going to pay you more for it. You are more valuable to this company, therefore we ref- we understand that, we see that, and we're going to show that to you in your next pay slip. I know it sounds bad, but effectively everything comes down to a dollar cents. True, which yeah. is just shocking. I don't you think sh- you I'm- should be paid based on what you're worth. There's, there's no, it's yeah. not rocket science. Like we shouldn't be overcomplicating yeah. such something that's so simple. <laughs> I've got. Um, I've actually got a story of this. I, I remember we um we had uh, one of the heads of the company came out and they kind of gave us how we sell work 
which is this interesting kind of talk, having the head of the company explain to you how they sell and buy business. And they're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars. And here we are doing little like Excel worksheets. And they were saying, they went up to like, uh, uh, like a store brand. They said, how much do you reckon what we're about to offer them, this proposal is worth to them? And they went, well, we're about to save them $30 million. Why don't we just offer it to them for 2 million? They went, yeah, but it only costs us 200,000. We'll just say, so they went and said, uh, the project proposal we offer will save you 30 million and we'll uh, charge you 3 million. They actually, they misspoke. They wanted to say two and they actually did three and they went, yes, yeah, sweet, done. Signed it on the day. Charge for what you are valued at, not for what you think you're worth. You know, and you know what? This isn't like, okay, this is not the STEM field, but this is tradies as well, right? And you speak to a lot of tradies who they'll go to someone's house and they'll be like, hey, like my fridge pipe is broken. I'm not getting like, you know, my fridge isn't cold enough. So the trader goes, all right, let me, give, let me have a look. I'll give you a quote. Tradie quotes for $600 and they go, oh, $600 is really expensive. Do you reckon I could just do it myself? And the, sometimes like, the tradie goes, right, go to fucking TAFE for four years, do an apprenticeship and then mm. do it yourself. You're not paying me to go in there and drill a hole. You're paying me to know how to drill that hole and to know how to make mm. sure you can have cold food. That is paying for someone's worth. You're not paying for them the physical labor sorry you are but you're not just paying them for the physical labor speak to a lot of traders who run their own businesses and they will tell you that that is one of the biggest thing that shits them um Mm. you know like you will save money doing it yourself but traders need to get recognized for what they're worth too Mm. yeah traders actually in australia have some of the highest suicide rates too because a lot of them do it and they just run out of money because they're not valuing their work as much as they should yeah it's just like they they haven't gone through the same level of business understanding um as people who have done a masters of business like mm. they, it's 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 a clear thing it's it's, it's just a shame um well, I, feel, more... I feel like that's when you would uh, put someone's experience over someone's qualifications because like if you were going to sit down and hire someone who had uh who's like he's had two companies has had like 20 years in experience like in a, in in business but doesn't have a degree to actually back it up versus someone that just got out of university like you want to, I would per, I would personally pick someone with a bit more experience than I feel. Uh, uh, I mean, that's the whole point of an apprenticeship, though, with traders. That's the whole point of doing graduate programs. Is so mm. like you you go get taken under someone's wing, and then after four years, you can say, well, I have had that experience because four years is quite a bit of experience for someone working mm. in any field when you've mm. got the right person who's mentoring you. Yeah, hmm. I, I think it, probably the analogy instead of having a plumber is imagine you got a Sparky and like let's just say your air conditioning broke. How much value is that air conditioning running for you in the middle of summer? Yeah. And if you mm. do try and fix it, there's a chance you die. <laughs> so how much how much value is your life? Oh, okay. Yeah, a thousand dollars refix. Yeah, uh, yep. the thing. That sounds very reasonable. Whatever. That's fair. You're trained in this. You do that. Yeah. Because I die. I risk dying. <laughs> like, and to like... me, that risk is a little too high, even if it's one percent. Fuck that. It was like when we built the um the slat wall here, actually, because we didn't know if we're gonna oh. hit electric. I'm like, hey, Sean, let's just isolate the breakers with the whole entire house in case we hit a yeah, cable. Yeah, yeah. But boys, one thing that I didn't actually talk about was the thing that annoys me. Back to the whole uni thing, and I should have probably front loaded this because I mentioned this before when we we're just discussing this. What my issue with unis are is when you're in there, they push you to find a job straight away. And like, guys, there's not many jobs in the STEM field. Like, it's very competitive. You've got to find your internship now. You're not going to find a job if you wait to the end. You're not going to find a job if you don't do this. You're not going to find a job if you don't know how to sell yourself. And to an extent, Mm -hmm. you've got to know how to talk and sell yourself. But with what I see in the STEM field, there's so much demand for people. Mm -hmm. People like, we need Mm -hmm. people and we need to train them up. But unis make it out just like, no, nah, if, if, if you don't open your wings now and look, you're gone. Yeah. And maybe they're trying to encourage them to look, but 
it's like this fear and this anxiety that they instill in students yeah. of, oh, fuck, 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 I need to find a job. Oh, mm. I'm, I'm getting so like anxious because I can't find anything. But there's so the job market is so diverse. So please don't worry about not finding a they, job. They make it out to be very like, they, it's, it's almost like they're purposely making you anxious and wanting to get the work straight away instead of just taking a bit of time. Yeah, so I, I've got a reason why they do that. One, just to, to clarify James's point, um, like unemployment in Australia is just about just under about one two percent, right? Uh, just on just under yeah, three. Yeah. For special roles like engineers, unemployment rate zero percent. Yeah, there are no unemployed engineers at the moment. If they are, they're probably unemployed for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> but number two, the reason universities push you to get a job straight out of uni is because it looks good in the uni if eighty percent of the fleet yes, the of your cohort gets a job within the first year, they go, wow, then I should go to this uni because I'll get a job straight out and there's no anxiety there. No, the way they do it, our university was the first to do it and other universities took it up, is you cannot leave uni until you have 60 days 60 of paid days. work. So technically, you haven't graduated until you're in a, a full-time job. Oh. And then once you're in a full-time job, hey, look, they graduated with a full-time job because we held them back five years. Yeah, so I had a friend held back eight years from graduating because he didn't get his internship done. He actually did it. He just didn't log the hours. He just, uh, oh, but they can't hide me anyways. But for it's for the uni's benefit it makes, to force you to do this. I've got a massive it, problem it, with it. It, yeah. makes it, look be- it makes it look better for them on like the brochure. Or yeah, like, or absolutely. Like, where there's always that diverse picture of five people of every yeah. single race like having a picnic and studying on the, on the green. Look, the diversity stuff, like that, that stuff's cool to show that we hire so many different people. But like just the whole notion of, of the, they're forcing yeah. you into mm. work um, you know, and I, I personally, I wanted to work because that's what my passion was. But there were some students that were like, "Dude, I'm I can't, doing it to I get can't, across. I yeah. can't do this. Yeah, like I can't be doing all this work to try and to try and find something and yeah. balance two jobs. Like it's really stressful. Um, that that is my biggest issue with the STEM field mm. from a studying and university point of view. Um, and like, yeah, look, going for one job that might be might be competitive, but in as a whole, it's not competitive to find a job. So if you're all going for the same job, competitive, but the whole market is not competitive. Yeah. There's a lot of jobs out there you can yeah. find. Mm. Like I look to to a degree, I kind of understand where the universities come from because it does actually give world life experience. James, as a percentage of out of a hundred, how much of your engineering degree would you use on a day to day basis? Probably like thirty. Yeah, I was gonna say twenty. Like yeah. super low. Everyone, you talk to any engineer, you say ask them the exact same question. They'll give you a range between fifteen and thirty percent. Why, why is that? University was harder. Like yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they 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 teach you all these hard things. When you get to work, it's like all that all the hard stuff's done. Your job is just to understand what it means yeah. and implementing it, which is not. Would you yeah. s- would you say it's because they are training you to solve so many types of problems as you said before engineers yeah. are basically problem solvers so they're just training to solve like a hundred percent of problems but you don't need to know that hundred percent you just need to know yeah, a yeah. smaller so, percentage yes. of I think, yes and, yes so I, no. i've actually spoken to university students about this and i kind of summarize it in university isn't great for your job specifically your job you'll learn on the on the day what university and specifically engineering that i found was useful was it's teaching you how to learn because in engineering, mm. you don't know a topic. In, within 12 weeks, you have to learn that topic, become somewhat of an expert field on it, and then deliver something yes. on it. Mm. And, so, and then you just wipe away that knowledge and you forget about it completely, <laughs> right? Because I don't, I don't look at biomass. I spent like th- six months looking at biomass. I thought you read that every single night before bed. No, no <laughs> that's a different book. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the whole idea is I had to become an expert in something, then deliver and get marked on it, and that's how I graduated. 
if you can then do that in your real life job, that's what's valuable. If you can pick something up and know it and understand it and then apply it, that's what companies love, that problem solving of anything, not just problem solving a specific field. All right, I have one final question. I feel like we'll just end it here. So yep. I kind of want some final thoughts on you guys when it comes to what you guys said about being a bit more proactive with mental health, especially as a university student studying engineering or the STEM field. What would you what would you guys say is important aspect of your like you kind of maintaining your sanity in your job or in this field in general? So like like ways to kind of help you and maybe help others. I kind of say that the whole like lockdown was a blessing in disguise because it took us to this like hybrid and flexible way of working where you wouldn't just work nine to five. It was like the traditional ways you have to rock up at work at nine. You have to work eight hours until five. Whereas now the way I see it is you have to take breaks. Like during the day, you have to like take some time out for yourself. Like remember we're going for surfs during the day, during Mm, like the lockdown period. That to me made me feel so relaxed. And to this day, that's the way I've worked. I'm like, right, if I've got to go to the shops, I'm not going to wait until the weekend or, or wait until thursday night shopping i'm going to go in the middle of the day at work and i'll catch up on things later um so breaking the day up and taking time out for yourself and exercising is um probably summarized how i keep myself at, at bay with, um, with- it's, pro- it's also probably a good thing especially if you might be stuck on something and it's like oh i'm just like i'm just looking at a blank screen right now get yes. away from computer get some fresh air get a fresh perspective when you come back yeah not not that it's like oh you left your computer where are you going but that's, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. yeah what about you sean so I, I, this is advice both for people in university, in the STEM field, or looking in the job. Um, it is one to surround yourself with people you want to be around. Mm. And so this is core to like, if you're not having a good time, you're not going to have in university, you're not going to have a good time in your career. Mm. You want to be able to enjoy the struggles. Like, like the challenge for me is my favorite thing because I know I've got a team behind me that'll help me solve it. And to surround yourself with the right people. And this isn't just friends. I'm talking about you want to have a good work environment. Right now, the way it's set up, you can be so picky with your job. Mm. Before you ask about your salary, I would have happily worked at the place that I'm working at for 20 grand less, honestly, because of the people that are there. They make it so much more fun to work. If I got paid 20 extra grand to work in a shitty place with people I hate, I wouldn't do it. Asking questions about work environment, the people, asking like a peer-to-peer interview before, during the interview process to so ask someone who's in your current who's in the job that you'll apply for ask them who's like hey what's the what's it like at your company what what is it like what's the what's, yeah, what, yeah. what's the atmosphere yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like what, what events do you guys do do you guys go on fridays is yeah, it yeah, like yeah. a monthly get together like yeah. that sort of thing that mm. is so critical and mm. i i, I for initially with my internship job straight out of uni to needed a job i need to get that 60 days of paid leave uh paid paid work I went for a job which I actually realized I hated. I yeah. hated so much, but I didn't know because mm. I wasn't picky and I was like, I just need a job, I'll take it. Be picky. Yeah. Two months of extra, or two, three more months of extra waiting, anxiously waiting into a job that you might spend five to 10 years into. Yeah, it's, it's it pays worth. Off. It, pays it off. absolutely pays off. It's take your time. Run. Yeah, find what you want to work in. Make sure it's the, uh, like the right company, the right brand. It aligns with you personally because if you're just working soul-sucking work, that that's that's terrible. What's the point? You've sold yourself out. And you'll never like. You'll never forgive yourself. So many people have worked in industries they hated, and they tell them, "I I wish I didn't." Don't take your time. And the only time when you can take it is when you're young. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It's also like don't just go to, just don't go to uni straight away. Think about actually what you want to do. Yeah. So 
you go into 100%. Yeah. On that note, thank you guys for listening. Enjoy your days, nights, whatever you're listening to this to. This Have is fun. smooth. Thanks for listening. To see more Engineering Dads content like this, head to our YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and I'll link below to see our other projects. Have a good one.